Hey, this is Dwayne Larson, and welcome to It's a Music Thing, a podcast about, well, you guessed it, music. Each week, I'll try to bring you new stories from artists and other people in the music industry. I want to make this podcast one of your go-to music podcasts. There are a few ways you can help me make this happen. Go subscribe on iTunes, and if you feel so inclined, rate us. Also, tell your friends about It's a Music Thing. Nothing like word-of-mouth advertising. That goes a long, long way. Also, check out and follow our social media pages. It's a Music Thing MB on Instagram. Uh, on Facebook, it's It's a Music Thing. The website is It's a Music Thing.com. Also, if you f- want to, drop me a line at It's a Music Thing mb at gmail.ca if you have a show idea or would like to be interviewed or heck maybe you even know someone that wants to be interviewed all right enough of my droning on and on let's get on with the show to It's a Music Thing, the podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Larson. And on today's show, I finally, they've got a new album coming out. I always get so excited when I'm talking about who I'm talking to. And it's it, it always throws me for a loop. But anyway, um, I had the chance to sit down and talk to my buddy, Danny Miles, from the band July Talk. He is the drummer in the band July Talk and a band you may or may not heard of called Tongue Helmet. And... Like every every episode, we when we started all off, we you know I, I like to learn a little bit of the history about where my guests kind of picked up music or learned about music, and then their their evolution into playing either full time professionally for fun, all of that kind of stuff. So we go and get into that. Uh, we talk about the new album they have coming out July tenth, uh, so that's coming up real soon. Uh, it's called Pray For It, and I've loved July Talk since I heard... The very first song I heard from July Talk was a song called Paper Girl, and I saw it on YouTube, heard it on YouTube, whatever, and I, I was... It's... Oh, it's... I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's If you haven't listened to July Talk, stop listening to the podcast right now. Go listen to them, especially the the, the new song they, they just released called Surrender Still Scared. Uh, or sorry, surrender still sacred, and their Leia's voice is so beautiful, and then Peter's is that kind of gravelly Tom Waits. It's the way they, which is also very beautiful, but the way they their voices mingle and play off each other is just super incredible. And to watch the evolution from the first album uh, to this new one, pray for it, is it's it's incredible. And Danny's always, I've, I've been ran, running to the the first two July Talk albums quite often. And he always brings this, it, it seems like they're going more, uh, not funky, but a little more groovier sound, I guess. I don't know. But Danny's an amazing drummer. And we, we talk about him growing up. We talk about the new album. Uh, we talk about some of his previous stuff. We also get into Tongue Helmet and what that's kind of all about. But... The one thing that really interested me, not that really interested me, but that interested me about Danny was when he started coming out as a bird photographer. And so we, that, I mean, as a photographer myself, I'm, I'm horrible at shooting landscapes or wildlife. So 
it, it was great to sit down and talk to him and see his process in doing that and how he got started in doing bird photography because it's not something you hear a lot of young people doing. It's more, and we joke around with how it's, you know, like an old man's kind of thing with the, the, the flannel jacket and sitting in the the trees or in the bushes watching for birds and stuff. But so we get into that. And it was just great. Uh, all, all the people from July Talk are such incredible human beings. Always so gracious. Always so nice. It's, oh, yeah. I, I'm super excited for you guys to hear this. Um, and for you to hear the new album. It's really good. I can't I can't wait for it to get out there and for my pre-order to show up. So, yeah. Uh, and thank you once again for supporting the podcast. Uh, without you, I couldn't do this. And we're working on some more stuff um, for episode 50. I'm going to have a big one for me. Uh, it's it's somebody, it's a band I've loved for so long. And I got a chance to talk to the lead singer from that band. And so that'll come in, what is it, three more episodes? Yeah, three more episodes. So I hope everyone's having a great summer. And, you know, we're doing a great job at curving this whole thing. Shows are starting to pick up again. There's stuff happening at the Park Theater uh, I think some stuff at the pyramid. So it's, it's slowly starting to open back up, but we don't want to rush it. So yeah. Uh, big thank you to Danny for sitting down and talking to me. And here is my conversation with Danny miles. All right. I guess, uh, first and foremost, uh, who am I talking to today? Danny miles from, from July talk and, and tongue helmet. <laughs> and I don't know bird photography (laughs) for some reason i was looking at because i've got a i've I've got a couple little bullet point notes off to the side here and i'm looking at tongue and all i could think of right after that was love and i'm like (laughs) well okay that works too but you know i um, mean when we were deciding on the band name that was one of the choices and it was very like i don't know man that's kind of a weird band name and also could be interpreted in a lot of different ways that are pretty like sexually explicit. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> so, yeah, but it all is just, it just means basically a woodpecker's tongue wraps Rand's head, mm-hmm. tongue helmet. It's as innocent as that. That's all it is. And so when <laughs> I, when I get a chance to talk to people like kind of one-on-one from bands, when I don't have to kind of talk about the whole band, I mean, which are bands we will, eventually get into that and yeah. obviously your bird photography which is incredible it, it's it yeah it's really good i had a conversation with someone else about how you're a bird like a birder bird photographer <laughs> and they were like really i'm like he's really good too like it's not just like it means a cl- lot coming from a person like you thank you for sure because i mean i'm definitely in the it's more it's definitely a hobby type of situation right and it's it's not me saying yeah and it's not an easy hobby like i've I've tried and i'm I'm like i don't know how nature photographers have can sit and just wait for it because i'm just like will this fucking bird just come and sit right where i want it to sit because i'm getting very annoyed right now (laughs) and i want to leave i think that's where i'm like in a way uh not your traditional bird photographer i'm not saying that this isn't what other people do but i like to just walk around mm-hmm. and kind of just like let things happen to me and just really just keep my eyes and ears open ears are a massive yes part of it 100 percent. but i'm constantly at, like from the photographer side i'm constantly i shoot manually so i'm just constantly taking photos of nothing yeah. just to make sure at any second 
I'm ready for yeah, a shot. That you have and the even right. Then, even then, I've probably missed, you know, <laughs> hundreds to thousands of shots that I wanted. Or I get home, I'm like, that one's going to be incredible. Yeah. And then it's just a blurry mess. And then another one that you thought was blah, you end up seeing like, oh, that's a crazy shot. I couldn't see the details. You know what I mean? Yep. No, for sure. Unpredictable. Super so what I'd like to do, I'd like to kind of do like a deep dive on the individual. Yeah. And one of, my, one of my first questions all the time is always, do you remember the first time you heard music that wasn't like a lullaby or a kid song where it really kind of hit home for you and it was like, oh, wow, this is, this is good. Like this, this really interests me. Uh, I mean, I know big, like back my earliest memories, I have an uncle who's 12 years older than I am. So mm -hmm. he's basically like my brother. And at the time, he was really into, like, Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, and Megadeth, and Metallica, and all that stuff. So I was, like, a little kid, and I'd be listening to, like, that type of stuff. So mm -hmm. that was a massive influence, especially Appetite for Destruction. As literally, like, a little kid, yeah. I'd be dancing around it. But maybe, to be honest, I guess before that, it would have been Thriller. Okay. Michael Jackson. I know he's not cool anymore, but, like, <laughs> at the time... At the time, it was, uh, yeah, I was really obsessed with Michael Jackson. And so growing up, when did when did you start, when did you get your first instrument, and when did you kind of start playing music? Uh, my dad was a hobby drummer. He did play in, like, bands, like, real bands, but it was never, like, his full-time job. Mm -hmm. But we had a kid at my house, so there's pictures of me, like, as a baby playing, but my progression was really weird because... I would kind of play as a kid, but I wasn't really allowed to have drums at my mom's house where oh, I lived. Okay. So I'd have them at my grandma, grandparents' house, and I would like go over there when I could and play. And then I got kind of like fell off for a little bit. But then I was 16, 17, I got really back into drumming pretty heavily. And then that's when I started playing in bands and stuff like that. And where, where did you grow up at? Like... London, Ontario. London, Ontario. And so when did you start going to shows? Like, can, do you remember your first, like, show and what it was? Yeah. I mean, my first shows, my dad would take me to his shows. Oh, nice. So he was, like, it was more, like, punk rock. I don't know if you know. Probably my first show would have been at, like, Call the Office yeah. in London, Ontario, watching punk bands. And going, I used to go to my dad's rehearsals and uh, just sit there with, like, headphones on in the other room, but I could still hear. And then at the end, they would let me go in and jam with them. Oh, nice. So that was kind of my first experience with that. I remember my first real show uh, was Paul McCartney. Oh, shit. <laughs> and, uh, which is a crazy first real show. Um, and they, I, all I really remember for that show is that they sang Hey Jude for like 45 minutes <laughs> for the encore. <laughs> And so, I bet I would appreciate that show more now. Oh, a hundred percent. Back then, yeah. Like I've even, I'm growing into more of a Beatles fan. I still don't love them. They're they're never yeah. one of my go to whatevers. But I like all the singles. I've never delved too much People into are it. Freaking out right now. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. But it's it's one of those things. As as I get older, I am starting to appreciate it a lot more. But. Yeah, back then, like my mom, my parents both hated the Beatles. Really? My my mom, I mean, that being said, they listened to like polka music. So, yeah, yeah they 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 called it yeah 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 music, and I'm like, I okay, I get it. But yeah, my dad is obsessed 
with the Beatles and the Who, and he's very kind of like stuck in his way. So, for instance, like Tongue Helmet, he just wants nothing. He did. I bet he hasn't even listened to it because I told him <laughs> it's like hip hop, and he's like, "That's terrible. Hip hop's terrible." And it's like, dude, but this is like live musicians doing hip hop mm. kind of thing. Yeah, so you can at least like appreciate that. I don't. Know, it's rap. I don't. It's crap. I don't yeah. Know, it's, you know? So it, he's kind of like one of those and he's not even really that old my parents had me when they were really young so he's not even that old but he seems to be really stuck in the way of you know the beatles or the be all end all which i'm kind of i'm i'm maybe not as like against the beatles as you are but i think and this is controversial as well but if there's the beatles versus rolling stones thing i think i really like the attitude of the stones more yes because it is more in that punk rock world. Yeah. So I think I related to them more because I do think, yeah, the Beatles, obviously, technically in songwriting, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But at times I feel like they lack the swagger maybe. Or something. Yeah. Like lack the, the kind of grittiness, the sweatiness. They, they were kind of, I mean, especially at the beginning, they were very put together kind yeah. of like a Backstreet Boys, like boy band kind totally. of thing. And then and I find that stuff hard. That stuff I'm not super into, but when you do get into like Rubber Soul and and on, I'm yeah. kind of like I get down. Like I think it's really cool. So you really like it. So 16, 17 years old, you start to take it a little more seriously, playing drums and doing it more. What was the? Uh, what was your? Did you start bands at that point, or were you just jamming it with friends? It was kind of funny. So Tim, I was uh, friends with Tim wallace who's the rapper in tongue helmet okay i was friends with his brother and he was a couple years older so they were like the cool older guys and he was doing hip-hop then and so i would just like go that's when i started to get into like a lot of 90s hip-hop or underground hip-hop stuff and so i wanted to hear everything they were doing so i'd like we'd all be getting drunk at their parents house which my parents know it's fine. Yep, yep. We all did it. I, <laughs> I mean, got in trouble for it, but I was sixteen. Yep. And, uh, uh, and so I would just bug him, and that's where our relationship really grew. So I started out. It's funny. Tongue helmet almost was like back to like my early mm-hmm. world of music. So we just kind of like reunited through all the other adventures we had and experiences we had, and made a group together. Started making music together again so that was kind of my first thing and then i got in a band called howl which turned into the job which is a bunch of london guys who now all live in toronto but um yeah that band is really cool that was more in like a buzzcocks punk world yeah and did you get a chance to record with that band or anything or is that yeah we do have uh one album out which came out on sonic onion uh the hamilton label yep and it's really cool. I do think it's like a special kind of album where we all do like live off the floor, like a 40 minute like recording session, like, but it sounds really good for what that is. And then we did another record, which still, it never came out. So I'm actually like been talking to those guys. Oh yeah. It's like, maybe this is a time for us to like put that out. Yeah. Cause we've been sitting on it for the past eight years or something and it's, I mean, the job, no one really knows it, but there is certain people that know that band because it was like a pretty exciting live band. And Mm -hmm. so there's certain people, even like Dave Monks from Tokyo Police Club, I was hanging out with him. He's like, 
you were the drummer from the job? That band was crazy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And like Born Ruffians and we used to play with them all the time and Young Rivals. So we kind of came up in that scene a little bit, but we just never, there's too much dysfunction in the band. That is a huge part of being in a band is yeah. getting along. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Like you, you have to manage however many other people's personalities. And I mean, you're stuck in, at, especially at the beginning in a, in a van, like shoulder to shoulder have maybe one bench seat at the back where you can maybe sleep. If not, you know, it's like just drool on the guy, be third person beside you and just hope they don't get too pissed off about it. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, so that, like you said, that kind of was like some dysfunction that kind of fizzled out. Um, what was up after the job? Well, that's what's really funny. So the job, uh, we were playing like more of like a house party. We were playing real shows, but we would do like a bunch of like house party scene type stuff, which was really fun. Basement party, rowdy stuff. And um, right before that band kind of was ending, there was a guy, Ryder Havdale, that came to one of our shows. And after the show, he came up to me. He's like, oh, man, that was, you know, that was a crazy set. Like, can you come play drums for my band? Which was the biggest band, the Mohawk Lodge. And at the time, I was like, well, I have this band. I can't and working because we weren't, that wasn't our living. And yeah. I, was like, I, don't, I don't think I really have time to do it, unfortunately. And then shortly after that, the band broke up. I reached out to Ryder. And I was like, I'm free now. Do you still want someone? And so he was like, yeah, for sure. And so he was putting together a band for like European tours and stuff like that. And the members of the band, one was Eamon McGrath mm -hmm. and one was Peter Drymanis. And so that's how I met those guys. So basically through that whole thing, Eamon was the first guitar player in July Talk and Peter was obviously July Talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all know Peter. Yeah. Um, so yeah through like a bunch of like avenues like it just started to form so like peter and i were started to play in bands then with Eamon mostly like mm -hmm. we had backup Eamon solo stuff and we did did a bunch of that and then out of that came july talk and something that just popped into my head which i know a lot of drummers here in winnipeg deal with do you get, especially in the early days, because I mean, a lot of people now know you from July Talk and you're very busy with kind of like a full-time touring job band mm -hmm. other than right now when there's a lot of downtime. Yeah. Um, so in those early days, did you get inundated with like, hey, do you want to come play with our band? Hey, do you want to come play with our band? Because I know here it it's very incestuous in that way is like every musician is playing in six or seven different things. Yeah, I mean, especially I feel like with music... I feel like when you're not really a known musician and this, I mean, even when you are a more known musician, but you're like, your skill is incredible. You're going to be in demand. But when you're more of an unknown musician, but you just kind of have like something cool going on, you're in the scene and like you're talking to all the musicians. I think then it becomes like, Oh, we do need a drummer. And you start playing with a bunch of people. Like I was playing with invasions at the time the job reunited for like for one north by northeast i think it played like 11 shows jesus like four different four or five different bands and so it was kind of like that like i was just constantly working all day every night i'd be rehearsing yeah and doing that i mean and, I, and there's tons of musicians now that i know that do that right they're like 
more in the scene i think because of like you know getting older i'm not going out all the time i'm married and also i'm in a full-time band that tours all the time Mm -hmm. usually so why would you want someone like that in your band necessarily um yeah yeah it's different i do a lot of more i mean i've been doing more producing stuff so i've been staying busy with in this thing just at home like Mm. doing stuff from home but it's more it's definitely more in the production or like i have an electronic kit and like a machine which is like an mpc so like a little more of that type thing and so kind of the early days of july talk when you because you got did you guys just start by going like kind of playing around the southern ontario ontario kind of area with july talk i think because we had been playing so much like with amen and mohawk lodge and stuff like that and i had been playing with invasions as well i think it was kind of like this thing where july talk and we had our manager at the time was alex bonifont who i'd been like he was like approached me when i was in the job like he was another one who was like i want to like work with your band Mm -hmm. and we never ended up doing it part of the like just because we had two guys in the band that could produce so we never ended up working with alex he wanted to produce a record for us um so once that kind of happened i kind of put like Peter and Josh ended up meeting Alex and working for their film company, Vulture Culture Films, out of the offices where like Alex, our future manager, was working out of mm. recording. And so it all just like weirdly started to happen. And I think Alex really had the idea of like, I don't want I want you guys to kind of come out more of like a bang. So we're gonna have you play shows in Ottawa and Montreal. So we were doing out of town shows oh, okay. more. And then we would do like showcasey type shows in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So it was a little more like that with July Talk. Yeah. And July Talk really felt like we did the record like six months into our band. Like it really felt more like here's like we're going to do a real plan. We've, you know, we've gigged enough with other people to know like what the best way to try to do this is. Yeah. And so that do, do you remember that first tour? Because I remember the first time I saw you guys here in Winnipeg. And it was supposed to be at the Albert, ended up getting changed around to um, Le Garage, Mm -hmm. which if anybody from Winnipeg, I mean, people from Winnipeg have seen this place. It's a tiny, it's like, it's small. It's not huge. Um, But that first tour with July Talk, did that take you kind of like all the way to Vancouver and back? Um. I'm trying now to remember. So there was a tour and it could have been that tour where I was in China. Oh, okay. And so there was a, a guy who still works with our band sometimes, a good friend, Abe, who grew up with Ian. He filled in on a tour. So I'm wondering if that was a tour that he might have filled in oh, okay. early on. But like we immediately went back out. Like Actually, you know what? The first Winnipeg show was... And I was on that tour. This was kind of like a second tour. I had to go back to work, and then I was going to China. I couldn't get time off, so Abe filled in. Um, but our first show was with Arkells at. Oh, called, okay. We played with Arkells, and it was more like this college frosh week type thing. And it was at a club like Mustache something. Or, okay. 
Was it? Is there something mustache, Mister M- Mustache, or um, I don't know? I'm pretty sure that was the first Winnipeg show we did. Okay. Huh. But being but yeah, so I think this tour you're talking about, which it would have like then we would have kind of started to get slightly more momentum. That mm-hmm. might have been the Abe tour. Oh, okay. And then we played. Then we went on tour with. We went on tour with Matt Mays as well, but I don't think we played Winnipeg. Maybe we did. But and our so- first couple of tours were like opening, so we were pretty lucky in that way too. We had like Arkells and Matt Mays like right out of the gate. Yeah, which is like a huge push, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And what what was the hardest? I mean, you guys had been a band for a bit and touring like kind of around the Ontario, um, Quebec regions a bit. What was the biggest kind of adjustment from doing those kind of little mini tours to like a full tour with, I mean, people that you know, but, you know, maybe don't know that well yet? Well, I think we do, I mean, we had already done in other bands, most of us had already kind of experienced the tour in Canada. And like, so like the difference is, especially when you have no money and you're just kind of like living gig to gig and playing as much as you can so you can make money. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's like, it's super fun because you're in a van with your friends, but it's also like pretty exhausting. Mm -hmm. I mean, early on, it's mostly fun. And I mean, back then it was, you're partying more. Yeah. Because you don't like, have don't as many know, responsibilities the like next day. Rock. Like, July Talk started out really, like, very... And when you see those early shows, mm-hmm. if there's footage of it stuff, it's pretty just, like, chaotic and, like, wild. I, our band's definitely gone through, like, an evolution. Not that it isn't really still kind of chaotic and wild, but those were just more, like, punky, thrashy. It was fun. Yeah. You know? I mean, to keep... You can't... I think bands just kind of like evolve naturally. Oh, a hundred percent. An actual, that funny you mentioned that because, uh, me and my girlfriend were just watching, oh, I forget what we were watching something on, on the, on, on Netflix. And they mentioned the Google Goo dolls about being a punk rock band. And she's like, what really? I'm like, yeah, they were like, they were obsessed with the replacements. Yeah. I'm like, they were. And then I brought up some like <laughs> early, early 90s stuff. And I was just playing it. And she's like, who's this? I'm like, this is the Goo Goo Dolls. And yeah. she's like, holy, yeah, wow, they, they changed. Yeah. They were, uh, I don't know, like, their back catalog massively. And to be honest, I've really come to like that big song they have. I know they have a few. There's a few, like, pre- yeah, they're more pop production 90s type stuff. And I yeah. really didn't like it at the time. But now I'm more like, it's great songwriting. Yeah, it's, you I know. mean, yeah, it's, it, it is, it is really good. I, it's, I hear some of like the older, the, like the, the late 90s stuff, and it immediately takes me back to huh, being in high school, <laughs> which I'm like, oh shit, I am old, but I'm, I'm very okay with that. What, yeah. I mean, getting old, I don't see the problem with it. No, I, I love it. Other than this year has been super shitty because of, um, like all my friends are turning 40 this year. I turned 40 in January and it just sucks because this year was going to be, we ha- actually had a plan to go to New York in May right. for um, just for a week, us and uh, like me and my girlfriend, and two other couples. And we were there for a week had, uh, we we're going to be staying in Brooklyn. There was two really good shows that I had uh, 
that just happened to line up the week that we were there. And the one I'm not that bummed that I had or that I'm missing. I was like, oh, okay, I've seen them before. That's fine. A band called Millencolin. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I've seen them. I saw them in a small venue here, which was great. But then there was a hardcore festival that I was so excited about because I've wanted to go for so many years. And, yeah, obviously we're not going. They rescheduled it to September, but I'm like, yeah, we're not going to New York in September. That's just not going to happen. But it was uh, something called the Black and Blue Bowl. I don't know if you've heard of that before or not. And it's... uh, the, the night that I was going to go, which was the Saturday night, was um, Sick of It All, Agnostic Front. Um, oh, God, who else was there? Uh, Murphy's Law. And then the next night was uh, Madball and Gorilla Biscuits. So, oh, like... Of all those bands, Gorilla Biscuits was the one I listened to most. Yeah, and th- that's <laughs> the one I was like, oh, this, this is killing me. are even around still. Yeah. kind of cool. This, and See, that, the hardcore scene, it's funny. Like, that punk scene... I do, I know of it and Gorilla Biscuits. I was more into like the really hardcore. So Gorilla Biscuits sounded more like Minor Threat to me. Yeah. Or Bad Brains. There was a point where I had trouble getting, and I have friends who are obsessed with like no effects and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But for some reason that, I don't know what it was. It was like too clean product production or like yeah. too well played or something. Yeah. Like but, a little uh, too melodic maybe. Yeah, maybe that's what it was, but it's funny. I was really into the old, like, thrashy punk. So, like, more like but, like the Bad Brains kind of stuff? Yeah, Bad Brains is one of my favorites. Minor Threats, probably, like, they're one of my favorites. A lot of, like, again, early on, talking about my uncle, he was really into all the old punk. So, like, I still have the Repo Man soundtrack. I don't know if you know. It's a Emilio Estevez movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the soundtrack is amazing. It's like Iggy Pop and Black Flag and Suicidal Tendencies and like all these amazing The Plugs. But it's like one of my favorite albums. And it's this prized possession because it just has all these memories from when I was like a little kid listening to vinyl. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, so he kind of did the whole hardcore. He listened to like Dead Kennedys and SNFU and shit like that. Love all. I mean, I'm I'm very picky when it comes to like the harder stuff, because I see I'm I'm kind of the complete opposite of you. I I like a little more melody and just like which is why like I mean I know H2O isn't they're they're kind of hardcore but they're a hundred percent like melodic hardcore. But I don't know that band. Oh no! Oh man! No. They're they're kind of one of my favorites but again it's one of those things it's more they've got like uh just their cadence and yeah the way they the way they do things is i love it and it's if, if you're not a fan of like kind of melodic hardcore you're probably not gonna like h2o but i mean yeah. well see the like i don't ever think that i'm right in my mm-hmm. the way that i feel about music like because people, people are like like you know my uh when people love Nickelback or something, like, it's not for me, but I'm yeah. not going to, like, you're an idiot. It's just, like, I don't know. They write a certain type of music. And people like and, it. And and people love it. Uh, I mean, it's not offending me too much. Some of their lyrical content yeah. is questionable. It's Maybe true. Maybe that's where you could, like, get on their case. But, yeah, like, my mother-in-law, who may listen to this, she loves <laughs> Dave Matthews. And I went and saw Dave Matthews with her. Like, I don't like Dave Matthews. I don't put him on on my own time, but yeah. I'll listen to it. It's fun to listen to it with her. 
Yeah. And I, it kind of brings me back to a point. Uh, you were talking about missing all this stuff. And this is what's for your 40th birthday. It is tough because it was my uncle's 50th birthday. Um, just last, you know, April, we were, I was supposed to be in Nashville. He lives in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And his favorite band is Pearl Jam. He's like a diehard Pearl Oh, man. And so we had tickets to go see Pearl Jam in Nashville. And I was going for his 50th birthday. And they're just like, can't do it. We're going to FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, that is tough. And touring, all our tours are being canceled. Yeah. The band. Like, we were there. We're putting out music. We just put out, I mean, I don't know when this airs, but right at 1 p.m., right when we started this, we put out Govern a Shadow video. Mm-hmm. You know, we're putting out a record. We're trying to figure out creative ways to, like, get it out there. Yeah. We should have been on. We should be touring right now. Yeah. That's I mean, crazy. I, I, I feel for any musician, any touring music, any musicians really right now because it's so it's so hard and especially this album has probably been done for a while and then this kind of comes out of left field and it's like you have to regroup and like you said think of creative ways to get this in the hands and in the ears of people without being able to tour and i do think july talks like we're kind of lucky in the way that we have guys like peter and josh and then surrounded by all these people that are really amazing film Mm -hmm. directors and all that and so we are more of a cinematic band to begin with so we will always have videos Mm -hmm. for all our songs and that's been the plan even before this happened like i know we have a few videos in the chamber um and then just doing we're trying to do those like live isolation things which uh peter just kind of takes it to the next level like he's very passionate about okay we got to make sure the video and we all film it on our own but yeah i gotta make sure the video kind of looks like this so do your best to set your camera up like this or like have this lighting yeah you know what i mean so try to do what you can yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly because i mean he is i mean the the guys you got in the band are like they're they're very they're phenomenal filmmakers and so it's got to be hard to, yeah. especially when he's like, yeah, set your camera or your phone up this time, this kind of light, make it look good. I mean, there's a lot you can do post, but you also want to. Well, I guess so. The one video we just did, I did from home. Um, and then we're doing, we're doing another one. Huh? But uh, that's why yesterday I had to change the schedule. Yeah. But he like went in and like set up. He went into where my drum, because this one's real drum, so I had to go to our studio. And he set up, like, a whole area. He's like, this is, like, where I want <laughs> everything to be. And, like, I set up a little place to put your phone. And I was like, you're part of me? He's like, I think I could figure it out. But yeah. so <laughs> it shows, like, the vision he has, like, from the get-go. Yeah, which is great because, I mean, then it, like, it it's, it, that's kind of like, excuse me, when I'm doing a commercial shoot, I love when there's someone there that like dresses a set that does that. All I have to figure out is lighting the mood that they want, but they ha- they're taking care of everything else. It's like, okay, you know what you want. If you can convey that to me, then we're good. So, yeah. Um, so the, again, we're going to, we're going to jump back a little bit. So kind of the early days kinda, um, between the first, second album with July talk, obviously you see the momentum 
behind the band. I don't know if you saw it or felt it, but getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I actually, we definitely, you feel it when you're in the band, but there's always that thing where you're like, it's not good enough. At least in our band, I know we're all like very hungry, mm-hmm. especially back then. We were just like, okay. And not to be like, not selfishly, like more like no. how far, like it feels like we got a good momentum going. Like that was great, but we can do better. Like that was just always our attitude. So yes, I, we did feel it, but I think in a different way. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's, it, it's great to have that hunger because once you lose it, it's kind of like, then this becomes a job. Yeah. And I mean, as and much as, true. as much as it is a job, it's still a job you enjoy doing, but you know, if you're thinking always to the next thing and how you can improve it or, you know, push it even farther, it, I mean, it, de- it definitely shows because. Well, we- it's kind of, we have a, uh, my friend and I have a joke where we have another friend, amazing person but he loves watching like old bands, but like their performances from 2018. And you're like, why? Like him and I are both of the thing. Like why me and my friend are like, why would I want to watch like Fleetwood Mac from 2018 <laughs> when I could watch like Fleetwood Mac from 19, you know, 68 or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's all available as well. Like I kind of want to watch that band in their prime. Yes. And so I think it's what you're saying. Yeah, the bands can keep going and doing it, but there is just something that's a little bit like not the same, right? Yeah. Kind of, you've lost that. And you also, I learned this when I went and saw the Rolling Stones for the first time. They played all their songs really weird. I was like, why is Charlie Watts playing like always with a bit of a disco beat? Like that's not how Jumpin' Jack Flash was played. Yeah. But like, (laughs) and I get it because as a musician, there's certain shit that I don't play the same because I'm just a different musician than I was, mm-hmm. you know, six years ago. And I mean, also, I mean, at that point for the stones, it could be, he just can't keep up to what, you know, the, the, the beat for jump and Jack flash should sound like. So you've just got to yeah. adapt it. Yeah. Like some, yeah, 100%. like some Those older, are old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some older punk drummers. I'm like, how do you, how do you keep, doing this like it which is why you also see a big i think uh the turnover in drummers yeah because they just can't keep up so you gotta keep changing 100 percent. that's where i mean i went like slayer for instance i went to slayer their last show in toronto they had a different drummer but i was just like what the fuck how does that guy play like that and yeah. he's probably that guy I, he's not it's not dave lombardo it's like another guy but you're still like, that's insane. And if Dave Lombardo, like that guy is probably in his fifties mm-hmm. for sure in his fifties. And he's, I know he like shattered his elbow, if not one, maybe two. And it's just like, it's gotta be hard to play that type of shit. And as a drummer, you're like, yeah, it gets, I mean, luckily our band is kind of like getting more into the groovy, more melodic stuff, mm-hmm. you know? So we're all getting older and, and getting more mature with their musical tastes. So yeah. Adapting in that way. So the, uh, the, the, the new, cause you guys are kind of doling out the, 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 the new songs kind of one at a time. Uh, you know, there's pay for it. And then there's uh, the governess. Governess right? shadow. Yeah. Yes. Governess shadow. Um, when you're, when you guys are 
on tour, it, is it really hard to, and I mean, you guys are getting like the, when you were here last time, uh, you were playing with metric at the MTS center. So like the shows are getting, which I've been very, I mean, I feel very privileged to have seen you kind of grow it. Mm-hmm. And it's been phenomenal. Cause it's been like the Le garage was my first one. And yeah. then it was like, uh, I think the, the pyramid, the pyramid, the West end, I think you may have played the West once. End, yeah. Um, yeah. The pyramid show, one of the pyramid shows, and you guys, I think you got flew in and you did two back to back shows. That was like the first show I literally got off a plane from Cuba and went straight to the show, like camera in hand, ready to go. Yeah. Um, and then. Is that Peter's birthday? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because there Those was. Those were wild shows. Those were really fun. That was like a crazy. I think we were like in a really good spot as a band at that point like mm-hmm. we were like had been playing long enough that we felt pretty tight but we are still like crazy those shows i remember being pretty like sweaty and crazy but it was like minus 41 outside yep no it's that's <laughs> that's winnipeg and does it does it get hard to kind of separate your tour life from like when you get home and just be like all right i i kind of don't want to go out anymore or do you always I mean, you're, you're married now, so obviously it, it's great to spend time with your wife. Yeah. but I think it's always an adjustment. And it's not only just physically adjustment. Psychologically, it's an adjustment. And even with your partner, whether you're married or not, it's like you have to relearn how to... I mean, unless you're like just started dating, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, necessarily, like Josh and I, our bass player, talked about it once in depth and it's like you don't just get home and like jump into bed and get crazy it's like you got to kind of like warm up the like psychological aspect of being back together and not just like talking on the phone you know what i mean so there's a yeah i think it's like a little and you get like post-tour blues and you do like if you have you know been partying on tour you don't necessarily just want to you're exhausted but you want to come home and you're like you want to kind of ride the wave out maybe yeah also like see your friends and like go have some drinks and Maybe not get crazy, but like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting transition for sure. And because I know you guys were very well known for hiding bottles of Jameson on the stage. <laughs> it, it's it's always somewhere because I think I remember. I don't even know if Peter hides them, does he? No, well, yeah. no, because I remember the I remember that pyramid show, and people were yelling like, "Where's the Jameson?" and you know, it it came out eventually, which was great because yeah, it was it was his birthday. But it, it do, be, do people still kind of know that, or is that kind of I left mean, behind a, a little bit? There was like a peak of that. We still, you know, Peter. I mean, Jameson. I mean, I would drink some Jameson, but it's dangerous. But Peter, <laughs> for somehow you could just like that was kind of like his drink. So you would always do that, and because of us always having Jameson, we ended up getting like a Jameson endorsement at some point and like doing, we did their official St. Patrick's Day show in Toronto and they printed 500, like they got 500 of our first record and reprinted the cover 
which was like this picture that Jared Rabb, our friend, had taken of like a Jameson bottle on the stage in on like a destroyed stage after a show, <laughs> and that became like the cover of that like special edition of that record, and then that went so well that the next year they flew us to Dublin and we did their like actual oh. real yeah yeah St Patrick's Day show and we were there for like six days and played like a twenty man set. That's... And that was that was wild because they just took us around everywhere and we were basically only allowed to drink Jameson. So I was just like, all I want is like a Guinness. Yeah, yeah, I just like want a beer. Days and I can't drink any more like Jameson and ginger ale. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Yeah. But uh, so then we did. I remember the band, we like were at a dinner and we the bar was open. And we were like, cool. They have Guinness. Let's get a Guinness finally. Let's do this. And we like poured out five Guinnesses. We're all about to grab them, and someone from Jameson just comes over. He's like, "Guys, I'm sorry. This is like a filmed event. You're you're a part of the <laughs> event. You're our band. We can't. We'll pay for it. No problem. But like, we can, just can't have you drink them like here because it's like our competition. They have another whiskey. <laughs> um, and so that happened. But then after all the cameras were gone, they took us out, and they're like. All the Guinness you want on us. So oh. it did end up working out. See, at, at that point, I might be like, okay, can you just take one of these to the bathroom and I'm just going to slam it in a stall. And I, I just kind of want a beer. I My, my, my liver cannot deal because Jameson is definitely my go-to. I call it like my house whiskey here. Yeah. So we've always got some. That being said, we've got some nice scotches. And some. we were just in Ireland last year and we had a chance to go to the like the Teeling Distillery and stuff like that and we did a few tours and so we've got some nice bottles here but yeah jameson is that that gets dangerous in a hurry yeah i mean i love jameson yes but 100%. i just can't i can't i mean i could drink jameson all night but no one wants that no no <laughs> <laughs> no one nope. wants that and probably i don't want that the next day no definitely not no <laughs> and so you know, you're super busy with July Talk, and you said kind of uh, Tongue Helmet was the first unofficial band. When did you guys decide to kind of get the... Tongue Helmet wasn't... So that, I mean, Tim and I, Tim of Tongue Helmet mm -hmm. and I, the band was actually called Tool Shed. Oh, okay. Back in London. And uh, I don't know, we won like a London Music Award for Best Rep or like stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Actually, the funniest part, one of the Junos, we, like, got off the plane, and Much Music was there, like, interviewing bands at the airport. I think it was our first Junos. It was the Junos in Winnipeg. Oh, okay. And we got at the airport, and Much Music comes up, and they're, like, asking all these questions, and they're like, oh, you're Danny, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you're the one that beat Shad in, like, a rap award. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> True, but also, like, there's a lot more to the story than that, Yeah. But, yes, Shad was up for that same award. We just happened to win uh, his votes or some shit. We probably had more, like, high school friends yeah. that voted. I don't know. Um, but we're all friends with Shad now. But it's just funny. Like, yeah, he's – it wasn't that we were better than Shad. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So you don't, you don't lord that over him any chance you get. No. And also, <laughs> he's one of the nicest – guys around but he's all he's a london guy so we have a lot of i didn't really know him in london but we had a lot of mutual friends isn't it weird how that works out yeah like it's i mean even being so separate just knowing 
the same people, even like across Canada, this it, it's so it's such a small community, but so big and expansive. Yeah, it's really small music in- industry, um, which is great. But and it also makes you have to behave and be nice to everyone. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I find when we're, you know, touring in the States and maybe at a festival in the U.S. and we hang out with some U.S. bands. They seem to have a little more of like a, not all of them, but some of them are kind of just more like dicks. Yeah. And you're like, that doesn't really fly in Canada. Nope, not at Everyone's all. Everyone's pretty amazing. Yeah, because even if it's just, not even just bands, but like uh, production people, if, yeah. if you piss those people off, you're going to you're gonna have a long night. Exactly. And Which actually- good. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, 100%. Because you- shouldn't be an asshole to people it's pretty easy to be nice exactly i also don't understand why it was always a thing where musicians i mean i guess some of the stories could come from a weird meeting you never know what the person was doing to that celebrity or yeah. something but when you and so that's where i like understand like the celebrity might have been put in a really weird situation yeah and that's why they had to be kind of like okay get the fuck out of my face you're actually like stalking me or something you know what i mean it could be yeah. that but then there's a musician who are straight up like i'm the best and yeah like, why does making art and being good at making art make like how can you treat people like crap and oftentimes it's like the people that aren't good at art they just kind of got popular somehow that are the shittiest people yeah and which <laughs> like, is yeah. which is what i love about like you and i mean all the people in July talk anytime I've got a chance to hang out, drink, photograph, just, you know, be around you. You, I always tell people this. I'm like, their music is great. Yes. I I will never dispute that, but I'm like, they are some of the most amazing human beings ever. Cause they like all, all of you are just so grounded and like genuine. So, and I think like you're, that really shows in, the support you guys get from your fans is because they are living it with you and you guys yeah. are giving back the love, which is amazing. I think we learned that pretty early on. Like, as I said, touring with Arkells and Matt Mays and stuff, they were both, both bands and all those people were so nice to us mm-hmm. and like, kind of like really helped bring us up. And then that we took that and then internally the band really, keeps people in check mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah so yeah it's hard and i guess i would probably for sure i would say i would be the most guilty i guess of you know maybe having a little of that like rock star thing you get like brought back down yeah it's more like check yourself dude yeah you're not that great <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> which i think is amazing That's yeah especially perfect. if you you know if, if you recognize that and people in your band are willing to actually say that and you not be a complete asshole about it and fly off the handle and you're like, yeah, no, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of being a dick right now. I'm going to, I'm just going to go away and then come back and be like, thank you for, uh, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. I think it's funny. These, the whole there's, touring as much as we did as a band, I'm sure, you know, bands like pup or Mets or and many other bands, that toured as much as we did in that period of five years, mm-hmm. 
you're obviously and we're together all the time and not sleeping we're not on buses we're in vans like you know what i mean yeah it's like people are great you learn to like read people just like you can look at their face in the morning and be like okay this is one of these kind <laughs> of days yep you know what i mean and yep we got pretty good we're still definitely working on it i think it's a never-ending thing but communicating and like trying to like within yourself learning who you are and what sets you off and what is you know bad about your personality mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it almost is like a psychological game oh, 100%. in a way <laughs> i actually had a chance to talking about our like our small community um, I just did an interview with someone and I, I don't know if I'm going to get this quote right. I hope I'm trying to remember from the interview that worked with you. And they said he is an absolute fucking beast in the best way possible. Um, you did uh, percussion and drums with uh, Seth Anderson. Oh yeah. And he was like, he, he sang your praises and he's like, Danny is in fucking credible. That's so nice. He's, yeah, he was such a nice, amazing person. Mm-hmm. That was that was an interesting record to do because I was like, Eamon McGrath was producing that record and like helping write that record and stuff. He was working with Seth. And so the album was done, basically. And they were like, can you come into the studio and just like play the record? Yeah. So that was what it was. And it was just like, and Seth was such an awesome dude and they're amazing songs. And it was like a bit of a challenge I had never, I mean, I had done some stuff like that, but it's like, you want it to be without really like rehearsing the songs mm-hmm. overly or anything. You're basically going in and like playing to a click and like inventing your parts kind of on the spot. So yeah. It was really fun at, at that point. And there's points, I mean, there's, it's a really great record. And, but from my personal view, there's certain songs where I'm like, shit. <laughs> could have done something different there you know yeah so there's a bit of that when you record that way i think but but yeah he was he was just very impressed how like because i i think he had said that he sent you the stuff and then you came in and just he he said knocked it out of the park yeah they basically sent me the songs and with no drums and i kind of just like played them a few times at home Mm -hmm. on my i think i just played them on like my electronic kit that i have and then went into the studio and just did that. Yeah, it's it's a great album. I'm I was so bummed out when he he played his right before this whole COVID nineteen the all the and all the lockdowns and shelter in place or whatever you want to call it started. He played the last show. I think the last show that I saw before it all at the uh, the cavern here in Winnipeg, Winnipeg, and then he went back out west and has been there since. So which was really too bad because, I mean, he was just getting going on that tour. Yeah, no kidding. And it seemed like he had a pretty good momentum going. Yeah. So, yeah, that's tough. He's I actually reached – he reached out to me, actually, the other day to get my address because he was going to send me a record. Oh, nice. I was just chatting with him. I was like, uh, I'm, like, proud of your – like, you're killing it on socials. Yeah. Like, he's got a big presence. If you follow him, you know who he is. You're like, yeah, this guy's like always doing something, and he's really promoting the record as well as he can. It's awesome. And so, I mean, you've got all this stuff going on. You've got Tongue Helmet. You've got July Talk. Um, lots of 
you know, it's keeping you very busy, especially yeah. July talk. I'm doing stuff with, I'm doing stuff from home, which I've stuff I've never kind of done before because of this situation. I think some of these artists are also, we're working together because of this situation, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But yeah, I'm working like Wolf Saga. I'm doing some stuff with, I don't know if you know him. He's an amazing indigenous artist. Also from London, but now in Toronto. But yeah, he's got more like a dance vibe. Oh, okay. So that's something new that we're doing. Uh, I don't know when that stuff will come out. I'm working with like doing some stuff with Eamon again, which is really fun. His new record, I don't know when that's coming out, but the songs he sent me are, it's bonkers. <laughs> he is just like such a good, that guy is a crazy songwriter. So he's, pro, he's in my opinion, like one of the most underrated songwriters around and so with 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 all this going on and even before that and this is kind of one of the big things i wanted to talk to you about is birding bird photography when did when did when and why did you get into that like what was the yeah when and why i mean i think i've always had a i've always liked nature Mm -hmm. and i've always loved walking around so that's kind of where it came from like on tour i would just go on my own little hikes and walk around wherever whether it's through a city or forest whatever i could find and we were in florida um on a tour and i was just walking around and i saw two sandhill cranes on a front lawn and for some reason i was just like fascinated i don't know if you know what sandhill cranes are but they're kind of like they're like herons like great blue hair oh, okay like yeah yeah egrets like that kind of thing and so i was just watching those for a while and they didn't care that I was watching them and then kept walking and was just thinking about how cool that was and then I couldn't stop thinking about birds <laughs> I don't know why but I've always had a fascinating even I, there's jokes about me with friends like I'll be driving in a car on tour and I'll point out all the animals I see <laughs> but um then we got to Montreal on that tour so that's how far we went all the way back up mm-hmm. never stopped thinking about it didn't mention it to anyone went to like an indigo or chapters and bought my first like field guide for birds and just like went out i was like okay i'm gonna try to find some birds <laughs> just like on the mountain in montreal yeah and that was kind of like my first like obvious birding experience and oh, then okay. it just from there it just became i was trying to figure out how to break it to the band like how I like I'm a birder and I did it very jokingly. <laughs> like I'm starting birder net birding now, so by the time I'm sixty, I'm gonna be like the best birder. Yeah. Um, and then the, my mom got me a camera. It was a Canon Rebel mm-hmm. for Christmas because I asked her because I wanted to get into bird photography, and that's kind of where that started. And I put it on social media, and I think as a joke, I put drummers who love birds as a tag. Yeah. And people really responded to that. It was just like the response immediately too was motivating. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, okay. People are really like find this interesting that yeah. I'm doing it. So obviously, in a selfish way, that's also motivating. Not like I did love it. I wasn't doing it for the attention. I still don't. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it doesn't hurt to motivate you. Like no, not at all. Accepted by people, right? Yeah. Okay, this is okay. Especially when it's then, it, it's not something that I mean th- there obviously is and I don't want to offend anybody by saying it's not a very common practice, but yeah. I mean because there are birders everywhere and you know, 
but it, it's just definitely it's not something that's really talked about it's like people see birds it's like there's a bird or you know you go camping and you see eagles and that kind of thing yeah. but it's it's not like a lot of people are like hunting out trying to find like the little finch with a a certain kind of you know bird i don't think like okay it's really funny because it always was and as i was saying like i was a, almost in, kind of embarrassed by it in a way to like tell my friends because mm-hmm. i was like i don't know everyone thinks that it's like old dudes and like you know vests <laughs> with binoculars yeah and i mean that is part of it there's nothing wrong with that but nope. like no one thought that there's young people but there is a lot of young people and also i've realized like i did a thing with vice where they they were kind of like the same sort of they're like i think it's pretty funny how like a rock drummer does birding so yeah. they did like a whole little like, mini doc on that and a lot of people saw it i don't think i had anything to do with anything but after that i started seeing noticing a lot of articles about like young people are really getting into birding i think it just happened i got into it when there a lot of it became more acceptable for Mm. young people to get into something like that and there is like i'm by far i know so many people now that are younger than me that are like have been birding for decades and they're you know incredibly knowledgeable and that's their life like I even know a lot of falconer. It seems to me like a lot of young women I know are like falconers, which is like they are like take care of birds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they like fly birds and research birds and stuff. It seems to be, yeah, I've learned a lot about um, the birding industry and how there's a next level and people are like, I'm passionate, but those people are like, they're very knowledgeable. I learn a lot from them, to be I, honest. Do you, do you have one photo that you've taken? Because, I mean, people ask me this, and it, it kind it, I don't know if it, it drives you up the wall, but especially, like, for doing concert photography, they're like, oh, do you have a favorite photo? And I'm like, uh, one that – I'm like, not really. Like, I, I've got some favorites, but it, it all depends. I mean – Every show is different and means something different to me. Yeah. Do you have a favorite um, shot of a bird that you've got that's like either? I have different, like I have different ones for different reasons. I have ones that are my favorite because of the situation I was in and mm-hmm. like my relationship with the bird, whether it was like terrifying or like we kind of had a connection. It felt like we had a connection, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's a favorite photo of mine because of that or there's like i have a snowy owl fo- photo oh that, that one is amazing i just remember you know the mod like i really like that one but to be honest like one of my more and maybe my most popular photo is just like the raven flying with its wings kind of spread mm. on like it looks like a completely white background and the reason that one turned out like that i was in edmonton and i just like it flew by me and I just went, Psh! like in the sky yeah and it was kind of like a bit blown out. So it made the background just completely white. And so for me, like artistically, it's not technically the best photo, mm-hmm. but maybe the way it happened to like just get laid out was really cool from like a maybe a print point of view. Yeah. Yeah. And so you... it's really hard to pinpoint one. Yes. But I have different 
ones that mean different things to me for sure. Yeah. And do you, do you sell prints? Have people asked you to like to buy prints I've from you? I've sold quite a few prints, surprisingly. It's been pretty awesome. I did a gallery show oh, in nice. uh, Bayfield where my mom lives and they were like super, it went really well. I sold out of all my prints and then sold like double like from orders that day. That's awesome. I think I sold like 60 prints that day. That's amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's cool. I am flattered when people buy prints. I mean, it has a lot to do with the July talk thing. Hey, I mean, whatever. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, you, you use what you got and you are a phenomenal photographer and seeing like that snowy owl one, as soon as you said it, I'm like, Oh yeah, that one. Cause that, when you posted that, I was just like, that is a beautiful photo. And then I also thought of how I'm not patient enough to take those photos. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the snowy owl photo, and if we're talking, I have a few, but if we're talking about the same one, which I think we are, yep. it ended up being um, the Junos asked me to contribute to, they do like things in art galleries at every Junos. Oh, okay. So like the musicians who have like other kind of art projects, they'll put them up and like, you know, this, it was in the London one. Yep. Mine. And so that was really cool. So that's special. And my wife actually spotted that owl when we were, I, I was at the studio recording this record that's starting to come out and they picked me up, her and her parents picked me up to go test the food for our wedding, like the catering. Mm. And so I like, we, we were driving through the country cause we were in bath at the bathhouse near Kingston. So we did the, the tasting in Kingston cause we were doing our wedding in Prince Edward County. So it's like that whole day has a bunch of memories for me because of that photo. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Which I mean, yeah. what, what is, that's also why photography is so great. And it's yeah. why I love doing it. Cause yeah, it'll, I, with this whole pandemic going through, I've had the chance to go through, very old um show photography from like oh man i think the oldest one is 2006 do you have a favorite same question for you um i know you don't like it as you <laughs> it's it, i just it, it's i don't like it because then i have to think of like all of the stuff that i've done and um i I definitely know I have a favorite July talk photo. You have a lot of good ones. Uh, I, good July talk photos. I mean, I know that for sure. Shoot, shooting, shooting you is is not hard. There's always something going on, and the whole band is just so fun to shoot. Um, but my, I, it is funny because I would. I mean, now as a photographer and stuff, like Peter and Leia are. They just like it's such a. They turn it on and it's like different all the time. Mm -hmm. So it would be exciting to, I understand why, like, you know, I'll look at a whole sheet of photos like, oh, there's a lot of Peter and Leia and not the other people. <laughs> but it's like, because those two are fascinating, you're like, I don't want to stop. I'm going to miss something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you're not sure what they're going to do. But I think my favorite one of my favorite one of July talk, I'm just rationalizing in my head right now. Um, I think it was one of the ones at, I think it was the West end. And Leia came out with um, a sign that said, uh, gentlemen, please stay outside the ladies' dressing room. 
I think that's what it said. I can't remember. It's something like that. But yeah. it was such a great, and it was right off the top of the show. Um, and another one is it just a picture, same show, picture of both Peter and Leia's feet or legs. Yeah. And she had, I think, fishnets on or stockings and maybe some kind of heels or something. And then Peter's like combat boot boot type things. And I'm like, yeah. but I think other than that. It just was like a cool it image. Just, yeah. And it's just like, it, it, it's like, yeah, it was, it was just one of my favorites. Cause I, I got a thing for shooting feet. I don't know why. And not, not in the kinky <laughs> weird way. Yeah. No, not at all. I fucking hate feet. I don't even like people touching my feet. Um, yeah. But other than that would be probably, probably my photo of um, Tony Sly. I did here um, from No Use for a Name. Oh, wicked. And I did it. Uh, a great band. Yes. I did it a couple years before he passed away. And um, I did just a quick little uh, portrait session of, I don't know if you know who Dave Haas is. No. Dave Haas. Uh, I shot Dave Haas and Tony Sly were doing their solo. Who is Dave Haas? Uh, is he in the band as well? No, he, he used to be in a band called The Loved Ones. Uh, okay. And now he's just doing his own, like he he's, I think, released three or four solo records now. And they're very like Springsteen-y, kind of rocky, but like, he, you know he was in a punk rock band because it's still yeah, kind, yeah. kind of like Frank Turner. Like right. one of those still guys. Got that edge. Yes. One of those guys that can hold an audience with just an acoustic guitar and one person on stage. Um, awesome. But I shot Tony Sly from No Use for Name. And then he had passed away. And the, uh, the PR person I know for Fat Records was, I'm like, yeah, I've got these photos. No one's seen them because she had set this all up. I'm like, here's three or four photos take them use them if you want and i just thought i'd get like something in a liner note or something and me and april went camping that weekend and then it, I, we got back and i got into cell service and i got an email and they were like yeah they want to use the photo for the cover amazing and i was like that's amazing uh, oh, 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 okay and they're like but they can't like they're like they can't pay you for i'm like i don't care because all the money was going to his kids and his family and i'm like yeah do it I'm, that's awesome. This is it, yeah. So that would be. I mean, that's one of the most memorable ones for me, I guess. And that's so special. I like. I did some. I mostly, if I'm gonna going to do more photos of people, it just I do photos of Eamon. He's like the mm. only one I've never ever really done. But he chose one of my photos for his last record album cover. Oh, nice. And it is just like wild to like have a vinyl with your mm-hmm. photos, like. That's so crazy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's, that's my stuff. That's yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, I guess that would be, be my favorite one. So you guys just released, uh, the new single, um, governor shadow, the yeah. new, um, the new video, the video is, is coming wild. out. The video is, I'm, is crazy, man. I'm so excited. I, I mean the, the, uh, before that, pay it. Oh God, I'm so pay for it. Pay it. Pay for it. I want to say pay yeah. it forward, but pay for it. <laughs> um, one thing I've always loved about your band is th- so everything is so visually striking. You can't help but not watch stuff, and even the show, watch it mm-hmm. from the beginning to the end. Like mm-hmm. I watched. I think I watched Pay for it so many times. 
just to like and just seeing the different nuances and then the different scenes and then watching yeah. like it's 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 really an emotional roller coaster that that video is gorgeous it's and then beautiful. hearing and, and then I hearing can understand what, why you watch it a lot yeah i will say this the governess shadow video is very different so mm-hmm. it's two different directors completely we're not doing like i mean peter and Leia are very involved uh from like day one on all this but they're not the like directors or writers of these videos but um the governess shadow video we got like a cut and i watched it 10 times in a row just being like okay i gotta like figure out all the shit that's going on <laughs> like it's like it's another video where you're like i have to watch it over and over just to like kind of see everything that's happening well even the stuff that you guys have released like the the stills and the the, the little teaser videos and stuff it's like it, it it's it's weird and wonderful and like like the 50s vibe thing going on and it yeah. is just I'm, I'm very excited to see the actual the video i listened to the I single mean, it's got a it's got like a twist a modern twist on it's just pointing out how how uh bad it was like for gender mm-hmm. back in like those days like the mad men kind of in ads so we're you know they're using a lot of ads and making them come alive and yeah it's just they're all real ads and you're like that's crazy that that was actually out unacceptable yeah oh yeah so it, you see some of those old ones it's like oh man so i mean that's the theme of it so yeah it's cool awesome well, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you're you're very busy. Uh, thank you for sitting down with me and talking to me. Um, of course, it's I'm, ple- been a pleasure. It, well, thank you. I'm, I'm. I mean, I think we all in the band miss you. It's always very awesome to see you in Winnipeg when we play there and I'm, wherever else I'm, we get to see you. I'm super hopeful and excited that we're going to see you. Hopefully, sooner than later. It's sounding like fall of 2021 is when it's Ugh. gonna start happening so that's i mean that's not official that's just what they're saying yeah so that's kind really, of yeah that's like, like it's tough because even as it was i mean i was super excited this year because like i had said before we were going to new york there's some other stuff this was the first year that i actually had the chance to i had a weekend off in august and it just so happened that weekend was, I never know how to pronounce this, Oshaga, Oshiaga, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, that it was, it was that weekend. And then I saw, I mean, the headliners, I'm like dying to see Lizzo. Yeah, she Ken, rules. Kendrick Lamar, I'm very excited to see. Um, Foo Fighters, I've seen before back in uh, 99, 98. 2000 something i mean they always put on i've seen them a few times they put on a great, great yeah. show right whether you like them or not and then i saw like it's fun and then i saw you guys and then the rest of the stuff got announced and you guys were on the bill and i'm like okay that 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 saturday or whatever day that you guys were on there just made made it and then i don't think they've officially canceled it yet but it's oh they did oh did they i mean i it, it's I, happening i think they like did. they I can't mean, they, oh they told us it's canceled yeah, because they can't not. Because end of August, there's not supposed to be anything in in Montreal. So, yeah, whatever. I was super bummed because I'm like, God damn it! I was looking, really looking forward to see everybody again and you guys performing. But it'll it'll happen. We we're all you know we're all in this bullshit together, and we'll all get through it. You'll see us performing on screens some form or another. 
and <laughs> yeah, exactly. And releasing videos and new music. So yeah, we've been chatting about just internally of, you know, what would be exciting to keep people who like our band engaged and mm-hmm. kind of talking about maybe like re showing even like stuff that hasn't come out, like live footage that we've done and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I'm even excited to see that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to keep knocking each one of you off on the, uh, on, on the podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep harassing people until everybody comes on. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks Danny. Right. And, uh, stay safe. Doing. You too. Talk. See you later. Yep. Bye. Bye. Well, there you go. There was my conversation with Danny Miles from July Talk and Tongue Helmet. I hope everybody really enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed talking to Danny. Like, I could talk to him for hours and hours and hours and probably and just never get sick of either talking birds, music, any of that kind of stuff. So I hope you guys all enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed it. I know I've taken a little bit of a kind of a, a respite, I guess. Uh, it's been a little bit busy here. And so I'm just, I'm trying to keep it up. I still got a lot of good stuff coming up. Like I said in the intro, I've got a really great one coming up for episode 50. Um, that's, that was very, uh, this band was very important to me. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but just subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. They can, they can hear about it too. So like every show, um, I like to play some, some stuff by the bands and so this one's a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to play two songs by Tongue Helmet. And then I'm going to play two songs by July Talk. Oh, just burp there. Uh, the first song is called Brain on Fire. And that is a Tongue Helmet song. The next song after that is called Sunstroke. Also a Tongue Helmet song. And then I'm going to play two new July Talk songs from the upcoming album. On July, it's coming out July 10th. It's called Pray For It. It's... Oh, the stuff I've heard is amazing. I can't wait to hear the rest. I mean, if these guys just, these people seem like just one of those bands that can't do anything wrong. They're just so good. And the music is evolving and it's been great to see and hear them just, I don't want to say growing up, but I guess musically, sonically growing up. And so the first song is called Governess Shadow. And again, go go check out these videos on YouTube because... Their aesthetic is, it, it's giving me goosebumps. I just i just love everything that the band's done aesthetically. Everything's black and white. And then the new uh, song is called Surrender, still uh, sac- Surrender, still sacred. And this one is, it was a little bit different because you get some peaks of color, which hasn't happened in any of the July Talk videos since I don't even know when. So go check it out on YouTube links in the description links to go pre-order the new album in the description, uh, links to tongue helmet also in the description, go check it out, go support, support what shows you can, uh, wherever you're listening. If you have stuff opening back up, head out there. Um, we also did, uh, me and a bunch of awesome photographers put in a bunch of money or put in a bunch of money. Come on now, poor, uh, put in a bunch of prints and did a print sale for the Park Theater. And we ended up raising over $1,000. We still have it, uh, prints for sale. Check out the link on It's a Music Thing on uh, Instagram. It'll take you right to the store so you can buy it, help support uh, local venues. But like I was saying, whatever's around you, even if it's, you know, if, if they're doing backyard things, throw whatever shekels, coins, 
paper money you can in there to help support them because the arts is really hurting right now. So anything you can do is a huge support. So here you go. I hope everyone enjoyed it and we got some more awesome stuff coming up. They threaten to reprogram reality. Is, is that what this is? Are they just f***ing with my head? Are you f***ing with my head? There are bigger sacrifices one might be asked to make than going a little mad. Go lights out, psycho, like he Michael Myers. Might go on night scrolls with a hypodermic needle sirens. For for five oh, in my mind I leave in no survivors. Then watch the slideshow, can't hide they tape and open eyelids. Patrick Bateman, champagne and a plastic rap engagement. Fascination with murders, murders and assassinations. Clash with Satan, angels, demons in the congregation. Don't need placebos, better feed your people medication. Psychosis, small bars to smell the roses. Then I bust out when I put the exit screaming like Axel Roses. Notice, I'm not POTUS. My operandi modus got me mowing over orderlies to open seas like Moses. Hold this. Don't try to pass me off on sugar pills. No one asked for that. Crane crack, yo, you knew the deal. And who the hell don't believe I'm crazy, stupid? He'll remove the catheter and get me off this moving carousel. Yeah. Satisfaction, act erratic, dramatic, maverick when the madness happens. Abracadabra, the magic they got cadavers dancing. Electrostatic shock treatments at the haunted mansion. Past visiting hours is Jack Nicholson. Trapped in a pickle, son, thinking I'm in the predicament. Victims of them sticking the ice pick up into my frontal lobe. I'ma be hoping they missing all the positions, thinking it's funny though. No laughter, so tragic, so nurse ratchet, catatonic on the mattress, brain smelling like burnt cabbage. Can't do the math to get me out this place.
with no name underneath red skies. Purple rain, don't make me poke vein like Kurt Cobain. Coyote buttons, made my mind mush, my man, I take dozens. Now bring the motherfucking ruckus. At sunset, the aliens abduct us. Don't even know where the map is. Baptism with the water from a cactus. Pulp fiction, walk like an Egyptian. Marcellus Wallace. Does he look like a Never mind, keep chilling. When I'm in the cinema, I'm the chief villain. All my children act illa. Butterfly out the skin of a caterpillar. Better run, I'm out the dungeon. Desperado, gun smoke, bravado. It's the motto, our time has begun. Chupacabra, go sucker. Woo ha ha, the moon look like mustard. Mirages, dunes are too dusted. Pure destruction, last stand like clusters. We the two best, moving more balls and meth in New Mexico. The whole Southwest, we on some New Testament. I meant we dress like Buddhists. Your own personal guru, you do you. I'ma get some fruit loops. Raw dog with your tall, not your typical despicable cold leaders. Be the mythic. creatures. Look at that one. As tasty and tempting and toothsome and trim and tiny a tidbit. Hmm, no. Let's see, where was I? It's too bad that she's not the real McCoy.
Remains through it all 